never going in one of those again. Here we are, I'm back after a year, presumably in that submarine. It's the year 2024, and my first guest of the new year, even though this was recorded in December 2023, is Alexa Thanos, a composer, pianist, and educator who makes really awesome music that I enjoy very much. We talk about her roots in music, her partnership with Sean Etlin to form Spaced Out Studios, and their latest album, The Little Bookshelf, and a bunch of other really good stuff. So let's just get right on into it. My guest today is Alexa Thanos. Uh, Alexa is a pianist, composer, producer, and instructor, uh, and the co-founder of Spaced Out Studios alongside Sean Etlin. Am I saying his name right? Nailed it. Amazing. <laughs> Etlin. Yeah. She's a third-generation gamer, as, as per her website bio. Uh, and in your bio, you say you have uh, more memories of your mother playing video games than your own. Uh, that is true. So so with that being said, what the, my first question for you is... Uh, which is the best Zelda game? Oh, you you can't start with that, man. Oh, my gosh. So when I was small, um, you know, the N64 was the staple of my household. Uh, my mom was just, like, super, super into getting every tiny little thing in Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. And I know you're a Majora's Mask fan. I, oh, yeah. I, I remember, you're like, the mask in your room and everything. There it is right there. It's so cool. It looks so great. So for me, I think nostalgia-wise, Ocarina of Time. I mean, it, it for me, is, is the perfect game, uh, both in emotional quality and in the gameplay. Like, if I ever crave playing a Zelda game, I really crave Ocarina. Um, I was also a big fan of the Minish Cap, though. That one, that one was pretty awesome. Oh, okay. What was that one for? I never actually played that one. I was a Game Boy Advance. I want to say. Okay, yeah. Um, All right. Well, yeah, we're on the same page as far as Ocarina. (laughs) So there you go. Let's hear a brief synopsis of how you uh, became Alexa Thanos. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um. So I've I have always been a fan of music. Uh, My mom likes to tell this story. Uh, where she and my dad would like go on dates to Best Buy, like because like every week, you know, see what okay. new CDs are coming out. Okay, this is one. Right. This is like in the late '90s, right? So we're talking Love like uh, going to find because my 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 household is very very musical. Like I was always brought up around music, uh, despite the fact that neither of my parents are like trained musicians. They're just super okay. fans. Went to concerts a lot. Um, and so she tells a story when I was like, I don't know, maybe two, like one and a half or two, they would walk around Best Buy and every time they would pass by the pianos, my chubby little baby arm would just stick out of the cart and be like, interested, <laughs> like a little magnet, you know, like, yeah. what is that thing? And um, it was just such a consistent uh, interest of mine that when I was maybe four or five, they brought home this adorable little Casio. I want to say it was like a 76 key Casio. Um, and it was like it had this cute little stand and had a little LED screen um, where you could see what MIDI was being played through the piano. You know how those those pianos kind of come with like 100 pre-built in tunes. Yeah. Um, and they have that like classic speakers. MIDI sound. But they had a little diagram of the piano in that screen. And so when I was small, like I remember, I was probably about five based on the house that I remember this happening in, but I would just follow those patterns and on that screen. 
And that mm. was just a, like a super fun pastime for tiny Alexa. That was like my jam. Um, I remember learning like a very abridged version of like the Turkish March or um, like Beethoven's Pathetique, uh, Second Movement, I think it had. And uh, little things like that. It just like it was so gratifying to follow a pattern and make music. And from then I was, you know, I was always noodling on my piano. Um, when fifth grade came around and we got to pick an instrument, I went toward the violin, which I played for seven and a half, eight years, like almost all the way to the oh, end wow, of high okay. school. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, violin was my first like trained instrument. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't do lessons on that until much later in the violin career. Um, but, you know, as teenagers do, interests pivot and shift. So from mm-hmm. violin, I went to guitar. Um, I had a little hippie phase. I played a lot of acoustic guitar. Um, nice. And I started teaching on ukulele after I got interested in guitar. Um, that mm-hmm. I gave my first lesson at, I think I was 15, 15 or 16. Um, I was teaching at a local music store to like teeny little kiddos, you know, three or four years old. They were so sweet. Gotcha. Um, And yeah, I mean, music's just always been a fabric of my existence, both as a consumer, as a as a, you know, maker, as a performer. And so in college, I I didn't actually start as a music major um, because when I was in compulsory school, my grades were actually pretty gnarly. And it was always because I would rather be playing music than like doing homework. And unlike the good kids in my school who were doing both, (laughs) I was like just, you know, a bit of a degen um, on the the academic front, which is kind of surprising if you look at my college academic record, like you would never put those two in the same room. Um, So when I got to my community college, because there was no way I was getting into a state school with my high school grades, um, they were like, well, you know, you should. It was it was the weirdest thing. They um, they didn't have like an explorers program. Like you couldn't be an undeclared major by the time I got to that school. Um, A lot has changed in the last 10 years um, because I now work at the school that I'm talking about, which is fun, Mm -hmm. a little full circle. Um, but they were like, you know, uh, the adults in my life were saying that I was spending too much time on music, which is fun. And I should have been pursuing something, quote unquote, real concrete. You know, you are someone who has also done music in academia. So, you know how that mm-hmm. language um, can be really impactful in not so great ways. I, I started college as a, as a math major, um, but I was mm-hmm. sneaking in music classes through like a math major uh, stint and an accounting major stint. Um, I got like associate's degrees in both those things, but the whole time I was taking music classes and eventually it just hit a point where I took my first piano lesson at 20 years old. Like I had been flirting with the piano my whole life, but at 20, I really like, I had my first real lesson and that's just like, that's the spark. That's where everything really, everything that had led up to that moment sort of blossomed. And then everything since then has just been from that one little moment. That's that's really cool because I have uh, the next question I had was where did the creative spark take over and that's the exact thing that's yeah. the moment right there one hundred percent where would you say like you because you had the guideline or so were were you pressured by your like your own self or like your parents or anything to kind of go into the math accounting route. Uh, as far as practicality, as far as is there was there any kind of like tug of war between you and another party or like oh, whether yeah. that's internal or your parents or as far as like the practical use of a second right. post-secondary education, you know? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. No, that's that's such a great question. And I think about it a lot. My perspective at the time was I did want to legitimize my foray into college, if that makes sense. Like I mm. wanted to yeah. after high school, like I yeah, mentioned, like this I was is going to be of, worth it. 
Yeah. yeah, like I was a scuffed student in high school and actually such to the point where I had an agreement with my parents that I would front the bill for my community college education and I would get reimbursed if my grades were good enough because God, I, I, I needed something on the line. <laughs> Yeah. Was, yeah. Like it was it was important. And because uh, that's just kind of the person that I was at the time. And I still have shades of that to this day. I'm a chronic procrastinator. You know, I work best under intense amounts of pressure. Um, and so when I, I remember when I like cut the check, what metaphorical check for the, the first semester, and it was a pretty significant amount. I was like, wow, OK, like this is this is real. And that was money that I had saved from making music. Right. So on the one hand, nice. it was actually a great thing because I, sh- I was proving to myself that I could do mm-hmm. something economically and, and like actually real with music money. But at the same time, yep. I was too scared internally to pull the trigger and really make that happen. Um, mm-hmm. And in addition, you know, the counseling that you receive when you first get into community college is you know, they have a lot of students coming in. It's hard to have a one-on-one. And like I said, a lot has changed in the last 10 years. But at the time, they basically looked at my math placement test and they're like, oh, you got into calculus. Just You should just do like math. Just do math. I was mm-hmm. like, I, I guess I like math. Like, I'm all right. <laughs> like, It's not well, my favorite thing to do, but I guess I'll just say yes because I couldn't leave right. the room until I picked a major, basically. I was like, fine. Um, well, so, and I imagine those people are like, they're like, well, we got to give her, we got to push her into something useful. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, but, that's like, kind then of I, the th- thing. That makes me wonder about like what makes it like, because you, I can totally see you being amazing at calculus, but I can also see you <laughs> not enjoying it at all. Because like, yeah, there's things that we're, yeah, you're good at, but like my, my brain is formed around this other uh realm of thought that I want to explore right. and I, that it sparks joy and, and, and inspiration yes. and all this stuff. And it's like, and yeah, yeah, that's exactly. And you know what? Honestly, I'm really grateful for this experience, having not jumped right into music for twofold, because one, mm-hmm. as you just described, exploring capability can be so important, like mm-hmm. regardless of your enjoyment of it. Sometimes it's just good to see what you're capable of. And for mm-hmm. me, my relationship with math was really interesting because first semester calculus, I was like totally... I nailed it. I loved it. It was like my yeah. favorite class. We met. It was it was neat. It was a five credit class. We met an hour every day. And that just worked for me because we had quizzes at the end of every week, tests at the end of, you know, every, you know, little segment. And yeah. it was just, it worked for my brain because it was consistent. It was like a puzzle. And I was like, yes, this is great for me. But yeah. when calculus two and three came along, all of a sudden it went from five times a week to two times a week to one time a week. And oh. that's where I realized that my capability was very heavily influenced by my exposure time. And oh. with math, you know, I could go to the learning center and to the tutoring, you know, as much as I could. But the classroom was really where things were happening in my mind. And yeah. So that was kind of a cool showing of like my student self. And also, like I mentioned, um, when you come from being kind of a bad student to all of a sudden feeling pressure to be a really good student, like there's mm-hmm. certainly a learning curve of how to learn. Yeah. And I'm really glad I explored that in non-musical ways. Um, you know, my math, my accounting, all my general ed, I learned like I don't feel like I wasted a single minute of college even though I yeah. was there for, you know, longer than the average bear. Oh, but I, I actually am really grateful for <laughs> We're so for that. opposite. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, tell me about your experience. So no. if you're on the opposite side, like... I well, no, it's your know. episode. Oh, it's that's your right, episode, but, but But no, it's... I just, you know, I hung out a lot, you know? Uh, sure, okay. <laughs> I had... Dude, mu- what is college I was, for? I, I was a music major, but I just, you know, I had like... 
effed around with like I took Latin my first year because <laughs> I was just yeah. like that's cool and I, and I actually it was actually one of my favorite courses it turned out because like uh it, it was it it sort of fed into my interest in like etymology behind like nice. different words and Germanic languages and how they evolved and stuff and how like different different like the same word in different languages are all like rooted to the same thing but yeah 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 I found out I couldn't pair it with anything, so <laughs> I oh. went off and did like poli sci pairs and English pairs and stuff, and uh, was you know borderline not like I. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> I, I I got by because I worked hard, but there we did go. not enjoy it. <laughs> but no, it's uh, you know, and then it's you're fed the idea that it's like if you you know as long as you work hard and you you can have this little you climb the ranks and and. You know, so and so went and worked on a cruise ship over the summer. It's like, well, maybe I'll try that. And, right. uh, you know, and sometimes it right. works out, sometimes it doesn't. But it's interesting to hear you talk about, like, you see, you're very aware of how you learn. Like, it seemed like you figured out how you learn and what you're um, good at, like, early on, you know? Whereas, like, I'm still figuring out <laughs> why. <laughs> Why is it totally. taking me so long to to start to use Reaper or whatever? Uh, well, actually, <laughs> no. I, just, you know, yeah. I gotta tell you, just just that was who I that was how I learned at that time, right? That's how yeah. I learned as you know, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen year old me. But now things sure. are quite different. I I completely I tried to pick up Unity by myself pretty recently, and I was like, man, hmm. I am a fish out of water uh, with with this, and I couldn't. I still don't know. Is it is it the material itself or the lack of a classroom? Like, there's a lot. I, I, I'm with you. I still feel like I'm exploring that like every day. I think it's uh, to me, it's like you're learning because you have to learn scripting to be able to really right. actually use Unity. And it's like right, that, right, right. that's learning an entire language where, you know, you're, you're you have to break down. You're, you're not we're not even it's like a weird second level language where we're, we're not even familiar. There's no verbs or nouns. It's just like this other set of rules. <laughs> right. So. I think that to me is the steep drop off. I'm not. Oh, yeah. uh, there's no way I'll I'll ever be like someone who can really script things. But uh, I think I think knowing enough about it to to get by as an audio person is is uh, like that's doable even for me. So it's like, oh yeah, well, dude, you, you yeah, can, you're freaking you know. <laughs> wise. Your implementation, yeah, it's kind of surprising to hear you say like, oh, I'm not going to script because I just look at your stuff and I'm like, this man, this man knows how to script. Well, but probably. like, I mean, <laughs> like the wise thing that I did was only, uh, I mean, I a lot of that was just replacing uh, stuff. Like, I would it would be finding where the address of a of a certain uh, sound firing is and then replacing it with, you know, the sound that I made. Um, That's still cool, but like. Though. But even, I mean, FMOD stuff, and we'll get into, oh, like, yeah. I, uh, watching you uh, figure out that beat mapping thing in oh Hair Runner. Oh, God, I forgot about uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself, but... Um, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... All this stuff is, like, it's very... Like, it takes a lot of time, and uh, it's cool, though. It's... it's a, And it, it goes to show, like, the stuff that we... Because I think you're like me, where you dive into this stuff after school... Uh, after you're out of school and into the into the work whatever we call workforce whatever you want to <laughs> say like we're we're all teachers and oh, freelancers yeah. and stuff um but like the disparity i guess <laughs> between um you know what we learn in school and what yes. like i i guess the the expectation that a uh, standard music curriculums set up for us 
versus what happens afterwards. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, and I think there's there's something to be said. Like I'll forgive post secondary education to a point because you like they'll build my my whole thing is like I went to schools where they they aren't necessarily like you know a school like Berkeley for instance who mm-hmm. they kind of focus on business and and like how to actually make money like doing music related things whether you go into licensing or teaching or actually performing or studio musician stuff right right um like those those ones i i i guess i went to the second school i went to UNLV like they were they're more kind of trying to go in that direction but oh, there's so okay. much like they have they have like 30 40 years to catch up on and like right. the the how quickly things move with like um you know, like even the past ten years, like oh like yeah, how uh, Unity and Unreal Engine and like figure like Wise F Mod. I don't even know how old F Mod is, but like my point being, there's all these things that we go out into the world and we learn. Oh, in order to maybe get a gig uh, doing sound or music or or you know, hey, even the holy grail of finding a AAA position <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, you need you need to have. All, all this other stuff that right. oh, well, I, I I just learned how to you know craft a jazz solo for four years, so I don't know <laughs> anything about F mod. I don't know anything right. about <laughs> attenuation or <laughs> you know blah blah blah. All exactly, this stuff that exactly. goes into game audio, but that that and then hey, that's just maybe there's you know I could have sought out more um, you know information in in the about it like or or like shopped around different schools and stuff but like you're you're kind of i'm from the generation that's just like you go to school and then you figure out like that's gonna be your ticket right um and that's not to say that i that's what i was thinking going to a master's degree but um Mm -hmm. i guess my point is like do you how did i phrase the question i wrote it down um do you feel like academia can ever catch up with industry in that in that regard you know what i mean like and, and there's something to be question. said because like by the time you you get an f mod class into a into a university curriculum it's right. like they're, they've already moved on to some other proprietary software <laughs> you know exactly. what i mean exactly i think um you know academia has a really funny way of constantly getting in its own way right yeah. because they will yeah. hire like some of the most capable human beings on the planet but mm-hmm. those people who are in the classroom and actively doing the work that the college sets out to provide to students um, will be just consistently held back by red tape bureaucracy curriculum mm-hmm. committees you know the yeah. all that crap so to answer your question i think in an ideal setting there's a chance that academia that academia can absolutely get out of its own way and and develop flexible curriculum that can always uh you know adhere or or adapt the new um software updates patches whatever have you you know because like mm-hmm. you say fmod from year to year is going to look a little bit different maybe not significantly maybe significantly like we don't know what's going on behind the scenes there so we we always have to be ready for it but as it stands now i think the purpose when i think of, of my time in academia i think mm-hmm. it set me up to do a lot of actually let me let me rephrase i think it set me up with a lot of the fundamentals that can be well translated into many different spheres 
mm-hmm. um, which is great. And I think that's really important. I think that's honestly the, the cultivating of your craft and knowledge mm. in that vacuum is mm-hmm. probably the, still the single most important thing that can happen. Because as you said, if the industry is constantly changing anyway, um, you'll probably find these things outside of school or working on your own projects. Like that's where the real, for me, that's where the real meat and potatoes came in. Yeah. Um, case in point, like I'm, I watched my alma mater take their hand at game audio and they did a lot of things really well but one of the things that i felt consistently frustrated by was that when we were interacting with unity it was very much a drag and drop adventure meaning that if i didn't have a project in unity all ready to go with all of the audio already set up for me um Mm -hmm. you know there there was no way i could really interact with it the barrier to entry of unity was still incredibly high after i had taken a year of those classes because in order to make a successful project in the time that we had um, they had to do a lot of the heavy lifting, right? Yeah. And the games they made, you know, I mean, you can't ask them, the instructors, to make a new game every year. That's totally unsustainable. So I'm having a hard time addressing this question head on because I feel <laughs> like the answer could at some point be yes. But right now I'm not optimistic about it. But then the question is, right. does it have to? Right? Does it have right. Does academia no, have to catch up with industry? And I think yeah. if we focused more on our core tenants... Maybe not. I don't know. It's it's so hard for me to say right now. And I feel like if you ask me, even like a month from now, my answer might be totally different. <laughs> well, and I don't want you to be like slamming post-secondary education when you're no, an educator professor not at somewhere all. Yeah. too. Uh, but like, no, that's a great that's a great answer because it is like, yeah, you're developing your core. Like I, I view it as like this gauntlet that you have to run and like right. these these guys. I know so many people that have like gotten to year three and a half of their uh, four year degree and and. Okay, I'm gonna go tour with someone, or I'm gonna go do something else, or whatever. Right, uh, and right. it's like just, just finish it. Like just finish it. Oh, I it. know. Just <laughs> get know? the darn degree. Like, I know it sucks, but like just do it. Yeah, because <laughs> it's literally. it is just kind of proving like, hey, I ran this course. You know what I mean? Yes. It doesn't mean that I know Unity or FMUD or whatever, but no. it means that I had to. Uh, I, I survived the pressure of this. You know. Right. And That's what I have look, to kind of yeah. remind myself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the way I look at it is like when I look at my degree, right, whenever I'm having a like a, a crisis in faith or of confidence, like, yeah. oh, God, what was I thinking? Right. <laughs> yeah. um, I can look just at a like lot every, of every day at two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's me. a daily crisis. We just get over it. Um, we yeah. go to Starbucks and we're fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I look at my degree, I think, well, you know, if I can learn XYZ, right, if I can learn yeah. orchestration or if I can learn tonal counterpoint, then I can certainly learn Unity. And I hope exactly. that when I have that, you know, when when you have degrees to your name, that's really what it's showing is you have the capability yeah. of learning something new, successfully completing a project or some sort of demonstration of that new knowledge and doing that enough times to warrant a certification from a good, you know, from some institution that says that, yes, this person is capable of all those things. Yeah. And that I think is, is pretty great in and of itself. And, um, I'm I'm not unhappy with my post-secondary education. Um, like I mentioned, you know, we we know it's a flawed system and there's nothing perfect yeah. about it, but I'm really grateful for what I learned and when I learned it and I still think it serves mm-hmm. me really well now. Yeah, that's and I and I can't deny that that's how I feel too. Like I I'll right. say I'll I'll have my dark moments where I'd be like, "Oh yeah." Uh, like look, and I I don't I didn't um I didn't continue uh teaching this this last year like i this is the first year this first semester in in a couple years that i haven't uh had any students at all uh at the post-secondary level and it's i go back to what my instructor said 
to me at the end of four years of learning how to play jazz saxophone. And I was like, well, what do I do now? And he goes, well, you should, you could look into getting a trade. <laughs> what? You're kidding me. I was like, yeah, Wait, did cool. Did he say that thanks. earnestly? Did, was yeah, because, that a serious because, suggestion? Well, and look, I went to school in the woods in Canada, and uh, <laughs> feral, you know, feral Uncle Spicer. Yeah, feral jazz students. No, but like the, we have, it's basically like, and someone on cruise ships really kind of pointed this out. Like when I was thinking about going to going on back on land and doing a master's degree, mm-hmm. it's like, well, do you really want to be this person that just perpetuates the cycle of like student goes to school, mm-hmm. who then go like I had professor. There was one professor at the school that I went to. We have ties to North Texas, um, that went to the school that I went to. Went and did a master's degree at North Texas, and then came directly back to teach at the school that he left. So he never left academia. Sure. So I kind of like I used that as that was became my example of like, well, I don't. What's the point of this? <laughs> you know, right. like the like, am I gonna? Because then I I started feeling this urge to like, well, I'm I need to like build something that I'm gonna be proud of right i'm yeah. not i don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and like you know when you're going through those degrees like your heroes are your professors so it's like yes I'm, i want to i would love to be a professor and that became my thing it's like well that could be the end goal yeah you get your steady paycheck you get your health health care and you you uh you know you have this just solid foundation and then you can go and gig and do all this stuff and right. then that after doing a master's degree it, it quickly became like i don't I don't want to do that. <laughs> like it just, it just <laughs> yeah. evaporated. Like this thing that I held on to for years and years uh, was like, I don't want to do that. I right. just, and it, it kind of grappling with that was like interesting. Cause then, and then you shift into sound design and stuff, but, um, right, right, right. And but that, look, and it's, yeah, yeah go ahead. Oh, sorry. sorry. It's just that, that huge upset to sort of like all of your expectations and everything that you, like you said, held on to. I mean, that must've been really intense, but like, here you are on the other side of it with like this fantastic, like, I don't know. I kind of, can I call it an enterprise? Is that cool? Like, I love, like, you (laughs) are so, not yet. It's, we're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. (laughs) We're getting, yeah. Like, I mean, sure. All of the things that you produce, all of the videos that you make, all of your content, I am just like so blown away. Like every time you post something, <laughs> oh, I'm like, you, man, dude, you. look at this guy. Like he's out there checks doing in the it. mail. And your I checks feel like, in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, thank you. <laughs> no, but like I feel like I'm a bit of your foil because I did that exact thing that you that you described. Um, I, yeah. I like I went to um, you know, I went to my community college. I went to my uh, my my college after that my my four year institution got a master's yeah. at that same four years institution and while I was finishing my master's got a job at the community college from the beginning yeah. you know what I mean like sure, I haven't sure. left that circle um, but I right now I'm feeling really happy about that right I don't mm. I don't know if that happiness will stay forever but it's certainly here now and I'm you know soaking it in and and glad for yeah. it but I don't like I could see very easily how it could turn into something different how how those feelings could just pivot um well yeah yeah. and i mean it's it's you're talking about getting an education in a creative industry that doesn't is saturated entirely with really really good people and what we don't really talk about in academia and perhaps because we're not aware of it like because like when that that's kind of like what i liked about uh unlv is like they talk about like so-and-so's off touring with this or like playing the Brooklyn Bowl or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, in LA and like it's 
people would be like, oh, the teacher should be here in the classroom teaching us. It's like, no, man, I want to see, I want to, I want to learn from somebody who's out there doing stuff, you oh, know? Yeah. Uh, 100%. And it's not like, it's not like any of the teachers like missed anything. It's just like, right. but like that was the, that was the kind of draw to that. Um, yeah. And so like, I, I feel this weird, like, um, there's a dissonance between what you're telling, what uh, you're telling a first year composition student, what is important to know. And it's yes. like, well, I don't really even know that, <laughs> you know, because like so and so is successful because they've been playing that gig for 20 years and they're holding on to it until they die. Right. It's like, yeah. So, <laughs> fortune but play, yeah, fortune yeah. definitely plays a role. Like, yeah, it just I've, and I think that's true in many industries, but I feel like it's especially true in creative yeah. endeavors like I feel yeah. very much that the the number of times I hear like oh like I just happen to know somebody I just happen to be at the right place at the right time um yeah. I feel like I hear that exponentially more on the musical side of the field than you know sure CPAs or whatever <laughs> well but then I honestly like I think that that to the things to be gained from that are anything any kind of gainful employment I've gotten has been from recommendations of people who actually know me and work with me oh right and like exactly. like I came out here and started gigging with this wedding band and I no one had ever heard me play a note uh, or the guy sorry the guy that hired me had hadn't heard me play at all but it's because wow. I, I had a little bit of a name for myself right. knowing that oh this guy can play and he's cool hang like that's those right. two things or whatever so right. it's like teach kids that well, <laughs> you know right. it's, it's, it's I, cool yeah. like learn how to figure out like people will now approach me for sound design stuff like I'll post something and uh someone will be like hey that was really cool like how do I do what you're doing or whatever uh and you know I want to shout don't <laughs> because it's hard <laughs> run away, uh, run yeah. away <laughs> go and do math and accounting um but no it's no. it's like I, and I realized, like, oh, it is actually really good to just go and uh, the the advice I'm giving people is go and find, like, five mentors that you send your stuff to and get oh, feedback yeah. on it. And just the fact that you're, like, actually just do the work. And that's, that's honestly what right. education can give us is is the grit to, to just finish it. Just finish yeah. it, man. Young people yes. don't finish anything. That's the... <laughs> that's the <laughs> real difference between people who get gigs and who don't are just right. these people who finish stuff, you know? Right. Um, I want to pivot from that because sure, yeah. I don't want it to be the whole, this is a whole other discussion, but, um, no, yeah, and who yeah. knows how much I'm going to edit out. <laughs> but, no, yeah, um, please. I just want to talk about how, where we met and I'm skipping around. I'm doing this out of order, but, sure. uh, so we did the, uh, Ludum Dare, was it 52? The game jam? Yes. Yeah. 52. So, yeah. Last year. Uh, or like was earlier that last this year? year? Almost, almost a year ago. Wait, no, it wasn't earlier this year. Was it? 2023. It's 2022, wasn't it? Oh, God. Wait, wait. Uh, how does wait, time hang on. pass? We're going to pull out the freaking sonographer. Because, uh, <laughs> wait a minute. Oh, God. I thought it was earlier this year because it started on my birthday. So I thought. I think it was two years ago, Alexa. <laughs> oh, my God. What happened to this year? <laughs> Slipped through my fingers. Oh my god! I'm getting I my hair. All of it just turned gray. It just I I have a shriveled little prune. My bad. Fake news. Anyway. No, it's uh that's no it's for real though. It does. It's crazy. Um. Oh yeah. uh, It gets worse as you get older. No. uh, Okay. But no. So. Uh, we met at the Ludum Dare uh, 52 uh, Game Jam. 
So we were part of this gigantic audio team, which is yeah. rare for a <laughs> for a game jam. Yes. Um, uh, that's also where we met um, Jeremy Scott Olson, who was in episode twelve of this podcast, one right before this. Oh, you're you're lucky number thirteen, by the way. <gasps> How um, cool is that? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I actually I knew Jeremy from uh, before that. I knew Jeremy. Yeah. From okay. That. So yeah. then, and you had so I had joined this team of other people that like then found you guys with the mm-hmm. Sleepy Donut people who, like you had worked with them. Yes, uh, like, exactly. Uh, Evan and and uh, people on that team, but then mm-hmm. you had also so you met Jeremy. How did you meet Jeremy before that? So this is this is actually a really funny story. Um, my so my mom is a recurring character in this podcast, and she met Jeremy in high school. Uh, so my mom and Jeremy okay. are high school friends. Okay, and yeah. When I <laughs> yeah, started pursuing, right. and you know Jeremy's, you know his career is so awesome. I like yeah. it's so like he's just a stellar human being. Um, so really if is, if yeah. a listener here has not listened to Jeremy's. Uh, <laughs> episode you should absolutely do that um yeah. and so just sort of contextualize what i'm saying here but basically when i started pursuing music you know for realsies in college um yeah. my mom i forget exactly how it happened but basically i think my mom was like do you do you want to talk to jeremy and like you know just chat up a person who does you know sound and music professionally yeah. and i was yeah. like absolutely i do and it was over covid and we had a zoom meeting um and it was a quintessential zoom meeting where like i think my video stopped like no fewer than 18 times and there was a lot of like oh i'm sorry could you say that again because it was all garbled <laughs> and robotic because it's freaking <laughs> classic zoom meeting but yeah yeah we we had a great chat and i basically got the opportunity to ask him like what how did your academia or how did, how did your academic career serve you or not serve you in the industry that yeah. you have now and your incredible like you know all all of the achievements that you have now do you do you tie that to your degree or was it in spite of your degree and he you know he was so kind he just took this this big chunk of time out of his day to talk to mm-hmm. you know effectively a rando right daughter of high school friend like whatever right and then we kept in touch from there um, and so if that was, I think that was like summer of 2020 and then in April and spring of 2021, he suggested that I do two things. One was the, um, the seven days of VGM challenge mm-hmm. and I'm so blanking on who runs it. He's so nice, but it's like the video game music Academy or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Music this. Academy. Yeah. 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 And then, um, we did our first Ludum Dare, um, in April, 2021. And that was just like, it's the beginning what game of was that again. That was, uh, asterisk. Asterisk, yes. Okay. Yes. And that's and the one with the little was, spaceman guy, right? Yeah, the little spaceman. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Our artist for that was incredible. She did just such amazing work. I've I've been very lucky with the artists in all these games. Um I yeah. Right? Continue Air Runner? Yeah. My God. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. We'll talk about it, but yeah. But yeah. So that's so Jeremy is now, you know, I'm so lucky to call him not only a friend, but also, you know, he's he's very much like um a strong like mentor figure in my life as well. I have been really lucky, you know, and you as well being a bad self media, um, mm. like fold like like artist in the collective. It's just been amazing to watch that grow and be part of, you know, sort of have any hand in that is like super fortunate. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's Jeremy. Absolutely. Yeah, and so like we all we did that. We did this, like you said, hair runner. We have this amazing yeah. splash art. I I talked Oof. about it in I think the reflections episode before this. Which was yeah, like, yeah. You're, I'm coming off of like a, a year break from this podcast, so I, I have wow. to go back and listen to things. But yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, amazing art. Like, that was one of those things where I was like, okay, this has to be. I got to put this on my portfolio. It looks awesome. Oh, um, yeah. 
But like we all vibe together really well. Uh, we did. Like it was really cool, and like not to just make this about Jeremy, but <laughs> see oh, the no, whole please. episode. But like I did, like I I popped into a, a Discord meeting, and he just like, hey, what's up, man? And then just like, it was as if I had known him for years, and it was the first yes. time talking to him. It was really cool. But yeah, um, totally, and then like totally. yeah, combined with you, and then uh, everybody <laughs> like you. You interface with people really well, and I was just—I just have a note here that uh, you impressed the hell out of me uh, over the course of that jam because it was like, like you're saying, you 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 work better under pressure, and that's definitely true because I've seen that firsthand. Because <laughs> you were like, uh, we're like, oh, we don't know how to do this, and you're like, all right, so, and then you're just like googling, and you're doing the, this one says this, and this uh, this part says this, and I think we could do it like this, and you're just like like smashing all these uh roadblocks out of the way uh and just like have this patience and level-headedness that is very like i was like i need to i need to get more (laughs) of that in my life so uh you i aspire to that so um well thank you and i I credit a lot of that to um my partnership with sean because if i did if i couldn't rely on someone else doing some more of that heavy lifting sure i would just totally crumble into a puddle but the fact that i knew that sean was so like I know the things I can rely on Sean for and we feel yeah. very much like a singular unit, then I kind of have that brain space afforded back to me to be like, okay, like we're just going to attack this problem and, you know, have all the comfort and knowing that Sean is just making all the right decisions while I'm not even in the room. Absolutely. Um, no, and it, it, the, we, we, and I don't want to make it all about post-secondary education, but no, it, please, yeah. we, I developed this thing of like, I need to be able to do every single thing. And that's what they, and I've literally heard that. And lots of people listening have probably heard, you need to be able to do every single thing. And what I've realized after meeting uh, Adam Brown, who sort of completes my game audio skills, like I don't, he does all this technical shit that like, I just don't (laughs) like, and I'm not good at, (laughs) but he is really good at it. And like, now we've worked together on a couple of different projects and it's like, we were, we know each other. We, it's, it's similar i think to what you and sean have can you talk about so anyway my point in saying that is like that's something that you don't have to be ashamed of like getting getting help and and getting someone who you trust and working with people because that's what a company is you know right um so how did you meet sean and like what like what are your what are those skills and how do they overlap or don't overlap absolutely Okay, you ready for this? This is almost yeah, let's do it. this is almost ridiculous. This is verging on ridiculously cute. But um, <laughs> Sean and I met in our okay. second semester uh, music theory course, cute. and now some years later, uh, I now teach in that classroom where we met. Um, oh, there so twice you go. I know it's ridiculous, but no, like Sean and I met early on, but we didn't really like connect with each other. Um, we were very opposite students. I was like Hermione Granger, and he was like the dude in the back who was only there like because he had to be, um, for for, uh, to start right. And then Sean really hit his academic stride in our music program as well, and. That's where also I was just developing, like being an actually solid student, not just showing up and expecting a grade, but like actually getting into like wanting the knowledge, wanting the practice, doing, putting in the extra time and the extra work. Like that was where my dedication just started to really blossom. Mm -hmm. Um, So we sort of interfaced with each other lightly. And when we took um, a semester of choir together is where we really hit it off. And we were, you know, just chatting up a storm. Um, I think the joke is that a lot of people knew that we were like heading toward dating before I like either of us did. We were 
just like, sure. like it was it was really cute because we were just like thick as thieves. You're we hanging out all the time, you know, getting yeah. food, and it was just it was sweet. It was it's like your quintessential like budding relationship. Um, and we did open mics together uh, at his mom's ice cream shop, which is pretty adorable. <laughs> I know. All right. So it's cute. They had this really lovely like um, sound setup because the ice cream shop also doubles as a church. Uh, okay. Which is kind of cool, like like a kind of a vineyard come as you are church, and um, so they their music person director I don't quite know exactly the title, but they had a really nice sound system, and so you could plug in, you know, have a nice little amp sound and and good microphone and good space, and so um, nice. once a month pre COVID they were hosting open mics, um, and you know when COVID hit everything changed, that person moved away and all this, so I, I don't know how often they do those open mics now, but Sean and I were singing a lot because of choir, and so he played guitar, I played ukulele or Obviously, other things, of course, but I had a ukulele on me because I was still teaching that semi-regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we just we would just hang out and, and sing, and it was really cute. We made a little set list. We did <laughs> cute little covers. Um, yeah. And so when we were, that was kind of outside of CSM. And then when we really, like our professional relationship, I think, our working relationship really started in our electronic music classes because he mm. was already finished with those classes by the time I had done my first or like by the time I started my first year and so when I needed help on something I could consult him and I I don't know if you know this about me or if you could tell this about me I'm a little particular and I verge people have said that I'm a little bossy um I'm not gonna uh like um affirm Hermione Granger vibes (laughs) <laughs> little Hermione Granger vibes, and it's like I was a little hesitant to work on someone else uh, musically or with someone else musically. And at the time, I think it was like a facet of ego. Like, oh, well, like I, and I, I'll I, I'll just say that you're not. That's not a bossy. That's just that's an artist thing. Like I I, I guess I still haven't broken out of that like barrier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and like working oh with God. you guys on on that is like. Like someone else is writing music, I don't know, like I'll just write the menu music, I guess. But but then I heard your guys, and I'm like, this is really good. <laughs> the, oh my god! Like, <laughs> I'm so glad to hear you say yeah. that because that was yeah, my yeah. exact feeling. I turned to Sean <laughs> when I heard we had another composer. I was like, I don't know if I like this. But at the right? time, like when I feel like when I was younger, it was a facet of ego. Like it was very much like, oh, like I don't want to be like stuck with somebody or blah blah blah. But sure. at, at, when I was with yeah, you, you don't want to share the, the credit. You want you want to be the yeah, person. You don't want to be one want, of the yes. people. Yeah. Top dog. Exactly. I very much had like there was an and of course, when we when I think like if we were to therapy this, I'm sure it actually comes down to insecurity like that top dog that need to have that. And I actually was feeling a little insecure when you came into the project. So I was like, I don't want to have someone observe me while I'm doing the process. (laughs) I just want to do the process and and be like, you know, have only the good parts like show. And I don't want to. It's like hiding a messy room in my closet almost when somebody comes in. Yeah. And no, and that's yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Oh no, no, no. So, so that that feeling, like exactly as you described, it just dissolved when I heard your music because I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit, this guy is so good." I don't know what I well, was worried about. Uh, this is great. You're far too kind, but it is it is the type of thing where you you have to just, and that's something that I've learned from reaching out to mentors and stuff with the sound design thing. It's like you just just come to it humble and I, I, like it doesn't matter right. that you have like a master's degree in music it doesn't matter anything it matters what your yeah. music sounds like and like yes. going and and like being a part of that project and then going and being on a label with you guys oh, it's yeah. like i get to, we get to hang out next to like oh i it, you, it's less about like sharing credit and more like look at these awesome people that i get to share this this spotlight with you know that's exactly so. how sean and i feel about <laughs> yeah. having you like as our oh, first thank you. uh it's album mutual. like our definitely first, mutual 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so yeah, that there's there's a good segue there. Our first album yeah. together, Sleepy Donut Jams. Yes. Which again, it feels like I just kind of slipped in under the radar. And you guys did all the work because like you <laughs> no. have it's it's three. It's I'm looking at it right now. It's three. Um, uh, games that you did with uh, the Sleepy Donut Jams is the mm-hmm. studio. And it's so Asterisk, Department of Demise, and Hair Runner, all these three games done for these jams. Uh, and it's basically an OST of all those. Because they're short games, and so it's not like, right. you know, there'll be like four, I think what Hair Runner was like four tunes, and then like, you know, the Victory Stinger, Defeat yeah, Stinger, yeah. or whatever. Um, but I got to do the, the menu music for for hair runner and then you guys did all the the actual work because <laughs> like because you had to figure out this beat mapping shit like oh that's right i just want to put this in perspective for everyone listening is that like there's like we say we did this thing together it's like i i was just kind of there and i slapped i, I made the front door sign or something oh uh, <laughs> where where and then, like, i worked hard on that thing but it's a. Uh, you were you were in there figuring it like all your tunes had to be the same BPM mm-hmm. to match up with these animations that were happening in time with the music. Uh, right. And I, I just want you to talk about that for a minute and just like was that the first time you had done that kind of thing? Oh, it was yeah. all in F mod, but yeah. Yes, very much so. And so and I I funny enough, I can't even take so much of the credit for um hacking and slashing as you described earlier, because if I recall <laughs> correctly, it was actually Jeremy found like the ultimate fix. Like I was definitely doing a lot of trial and error to make this happen. Right. And basically when when we're talking about the tracks, what was supposed to happen in the build and it we refined it after the Ludum Diary was initially published um because mm. there was a, a bit of a trouble with it because it's pretty complex, but the idea was that um in Hair Runner you are a bunny and you are fighting vegetables as you do. Yeah. And there was supposed <laughs> to be a moment and where these vegetables would have an attack that was rhythmically based, right? Yes. So it could be like the attack for the onion might have been one and two and and whatever, right? And so yeah. you we wanted to develop tracks that accentuated those rhythmic elements of of those attacks and so instead of having a sound design thing where it was like the the bullets or the projectiles making those sounds we just wanted the soundtrack to uh illuminate those those beat patterns and so yeah. what we had to do is this huge checkerboard of things so there were three different combat levels which by the way i, I can i circle back to the menu theme michael i think the reason uh, yes. you ended up doing the menu theme is because sean and i had such bad writer's block we're like we can't do this we need to michael please like i was i was in a state of crisis because um nice. writer's block at that time and i were not as friends as we are now um actually no it's still my arch nemesis i'm not friends with my writer's block i've just accepted it yeah, right but be. uh but yeah anyway so so circling all the way back sorry small tangent um so there were three different levels of intensity of the baseline music right here's your level one two and three and so for each of those level one twos and threes we had to make a different track that accentuated the carrot pattern and the onion pattern and the cabbage yeah. pattern and so if you're doing the math like it's definitely adding up and yeah. sean and i could not like initially agree on actually how to make that happen because I wanted it to be percussive and he was like well maybe we can just bring up an, an instrument and and that ended up being the winner was it was really a, a game of mixing so from the musical perspective it was like all orchestration and leveling and then from the mm-hmm. F mod perspective it was all like checkerboarding and transitioning and it was such a sprint to do that and of course I'm a sprinter not a runner so that that made you know good sense to me like I said yeah. always working under pressure that's fine but sure. it's I work under pressure when I'm best when I'm really equipped right if I need to write an right. essay well, at yeah, the last sure, minute yeah. oh man 
don't even yeah. worry about it. It's the best essay you've ever read. If I have to write music last minute, don't even worry. It's going to be great. But when yeah. I have to learn something under pressure, it's a very different story. And so that was definitely, that actually was sort of the bane of my hair runner. It was just like, why isn't this working? Why is that yeah. not so complicated? And now yeah. again, grateful to have the experience and really excited to delve back into that project and maybe pull from it for something in the future. So you touched on like what game jams are like, you know, it's oh, like yeah. this weird boot camp we put ourselves through. We did fairly well. I mean, oh, we got yeah. we got a certain audio score because of just like, well, you mm-hmm. know, like the just sheer numbers of audio people like working on it. Hey, oh my God, we had who knew? Yeah, yeah, you have a bunch <laughs> of people all doing wor- good work. It turns out pretty well. So yeah, I, I mean, I guess, so going back to... Um, uh, Sean, a little bit. Like, are, yeah, yeah. are you? Do you consider what? What do you consider your like skill sets, and how do they like? Like, is he covering drums, and like you're doing like the melodies and stuff, or is that, it? That's like, almost exactly right. Yeah. yeah? I mean, okay. <laughs> I so, want to say I remember that from before. Yeah. yeah. And it's really funny because as we work more together, that those lines definitely get blurred. Because every time he yeah. does something on the drums, I'm like, I need you to explain exactly what you just did, right? Yeah. Because I want to know. I want to learn and be able to do this for myself. And then also the more we kind of exist in each other's musical spaces, the more we experience music outside of our comfort zones or like yeah. listening to new things every every day. Every exactly. Week. It makes um, you better as an individual working right. together with someone like that. It yeah. does. Exactly. 100%. And so when we think about the jobs, like it used to very much be, I used to think of it like I could do, you know, sort of the harmonic skeleton. Right. Mm -hmm. And a solid melody to go over that. And then Sean was very much like the drums, the orchestration, the timbre. And now it's very much like we our Venn diagram went from having kind of a small intersection to a much larger intersection because then I started exploring more synth and sound design. Um, So now I have a bit more of a hand in the timbre. He has been really on a classical kick, um, both as, you know, practicing his his own pianos chops and um, just listening. So his harmonic language is definitely shifted from that a little bit, which is really cool. Um, Sure. And so we're constantly meeting in the middle. But I think at the end of the day, I still consider Sean very much like our orchestrator. I feel like in our most recent album, I was very much the the like harmonic, uh, okay. melodic, like like all of the piano that you hear is my performance. And that's like, that was really what I take the most hold of. Which which album is this? Uh, the Little Bookshelf. Um, yes. Okay, yes. good. Because yes. I, I want to talk about that. Totally, um, totally. Yeah, no, this, and I mean, like, this stuff, I listened to the whole thing last night. Oh, uh, thank you. Definite, like, is it, is it safe to say, like, Lena Rain vibes a little bit? Like, you know, oh. Celeste. Uh, it's, <gasps> I think, it, a I, huge compliment. Part of it, and I mean, like, you definitely have, like, the whole French Impressionism thing uh, <laughs> yeah. going on, too, and, like, uh, <laughs> Debussy and stuff, but, like, you're, uh, I think it's also just like you're saying timbre, like you're layering uh, uh, acoustic piano into like this electronic stuff. And uh, it's got a very, very distinct kind of identity, uh, this album. Um, what just before I go into it, like, yeah. like what what is the it, it, the description says inspired by Alexa's treasured collection of her childhood books, which I, I really liked. But uh <laughs> Like, so what brought the idea for this album around? Oh, my goodness. So Sean and I were 
offered this awesome opportunity by Monochrome Motif Records in the United Kingdom. Um, it was one of those we talked about this earlier with like chance meetings and fortune and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Back when Twitter was Twitter, um, I was definitely trying to cultivate a um, a profile for myself on that platform because Jeremy had suggested, you know, this is where the game audio people are. Like, yeah. you should totally yeah. get connected. And I am not super gifted at social media. Um, and so for Twitter, it was like very confusing. But um, I had developed this little profile. And so uh, we happened to just get found. <laughs> we get discovered. Um, there you go. We were offered to write a full album, and so the our, our draw and sort of maybe our direction was really that we were classically inspired electronic music, right? And so yeah. cinematic, like That's things exactly, of, of that yeah. nature. Um, and so initially, Sean and I had a number of ideas for the album, and we just kind of couldn't uh, congeal on one. It was, it was tough. It was because even though we had a pretty concrete direction, there were so many ways that that could take form and manifest that it was, it was getting hard to distill it into one idea. But I, you know, I'm, I was a bookworm as a kid and I wish I was more now as an adult. Um, I guess I do. I'm very fond of reading. I always have been. And so that, that, collection of books that he's talking about i'm actually i can see it from my desk right now it's on the top mm. top shelf of my bookshelf and it's they're all kind of collected together and i ordered sean um i thrifted him a bunch of those titles so okay. that would be like the little prince um alice in okay. wonderland and through the looking glass and mm-hmm. uh let's see a couple others that of course i'm now blanking on but um we oh the last unicorn of course Okay. Um, so I, I reread these as my inspiration for the album because I wanted to draw from something that wasn't necessarily musical inspiration. Like I didn't want to mm. write. Yeah. And, and of course, it ended up sounding a lot like you said, French Impressionist, because that's just sort of my like my language and music right now is I'm very, very into that sort of appeal, that sort of sheen, that haze on the piano is something I've been really exploring um, and really just in love with. But yeah. I didn't want to just listen to music i want i wanted to pull from more so yeah. i actually read to sean um i read him the little prince over discord um <laughs> just when you thought it couldn't get more adorable <laughs> i what can i say We're, you know it's not a competition but if it was we would win yeah yeah absolutely 100% but really i mean it was such a treat to have all of this musical inspiration from literature and oh and charlie and the chocolate factory was there too um it was in the fold and we deliberately oh of course we deliberately it's because of the title of one of the tracks yeah yes! sorry go ahead yes yeah. no you're so right I'm, and i'm so glad that <laughs> that like those references are like are so you know attainable and 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 easy to to stumble across like for, it just for makes our so listener happy. The uh, this tune is mixed by River. I was yes, like, That's definitely a Willy Wonka reference. Because yeah, you have the and this tune is like this swishy, like you have this water effect. That's really yeah. really cool. Very, very cool. Sorry, oh, continue. Thank you. No, please. I, that's a huge compliment. I loved working on that piece. That that's one of my favorites, actually. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so we read these books, and it was such a treat to to rediscover them. And then as I thought about translating the literature into music, it, we had such good conversations about like, well, how can we how can we talk about the little prince's departure from Earth? How can we talk about the snake? How can we talk about um, in Willy Wonka like? Should it be carefree and bubbly or should it be a little creepy? Because you're never like I saw him. It's a little creepy, isn't it? Yeah, it's this yeah. weird like underlying darkness of like. Like when he's in the when they're in the tunnel and uh, oh, Gene yeah. Wilder is like freaking out, you know, that's I, scared a lot of kids. 
it did. And so that's why I avoided the movie because I was like, you know, I really want to just touch down on the literature only and then get my my feeling for that. But of course, like with something as iconic as the pure imagination, that major seventh, that yeah. was a staple yeah. in Mixed by River. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. It, it I mean, it had to be. And it's um it's really funny because when we, uh, there, there was a meme I saw about the Gene Wilder <laughs> Willy Wonka and it was something to the effect of like his portrayal worked so well because you weren't ever convinced that he wasn't just going to let one of the kids fucking die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the, the fizzy lifted drinks. It's like you oh, put yeah. a giant like spinning razor sharp blade at the top and there's this kid floating <laughs> like... Oh my God, what is this exactly. movie? And when I was reading the book, you know what's really funny is, I don't know if you've read the book recently. I haven't, um, no. If you if you haven't, you know, it's it's a good, it's a solid, you know, lunchtime read. Um, okay. It really is, I felt like it was just um, Roald Dahl's, like, loathing, I suppose, or like his diatribe against television <laughs> okay. for children. Yeah. That's all okay. it is. It's a, He's just like, TV sucks. Here's how it's ruining children. Let's talk yeah. about it in a chocolate factory. I'm like... All right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, let's see. What else sucks? Uh, chewing gum. Hate that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Get that shit out of here. Yeah. yeah. It was all this to say when we, when I was pulling, it was really fun because we had so much humor to draw from and so much like sometimes I feel like when you're reading literature designed for the grown educated population, there is mm-hmm. almost an air about it. Like, ah, you are reading this because you are very smart. And so we are going to put things that make you feel very smart. And there's like yeah. these, these like an artifice almost behind some of the things that I've read lately. And it's just like mm-hmm. to go back to just children's literature was honestly so refreshing like yeah. creatively and uh, you know i'm someone who also is very yeah. fond of writing it's amazing how much beautiful prose can be in a book that is you know in the kids shelf at barnes and noble like it's it's actually kind of astounding. well it's, a, it's all accessible right it doesn't have to be yeah. not accessible to be good too like right. that's interesting exactly so that was yeah. that was really fun and i just you know it was a treat to um to make music that uh, of things that were so important to me that yeah. was also sort of a paralyzing agent though i will say is i think we i had put so much emotional stock into it that the writer's block was you know you get writer's block every so often right or maybe mm-hmm. like every project or like you get a little stuck but when i would get stuck with this it felt much much heavier um okay. so on the one hand, I think we made a really good product in spite of that. But on the other, it was definitely like a, it was a good learning experience of like, sometimes you just got to make the music and just make sure it's it's good music, if that makes yeah. sense, and not worry about like every single tiny emotional yes. detail behind it. Yes. Because honestly, if I wasn't talking about it with you, you know, like who would, I mean, we, we wrote a PDF and I've written about it, but like, if you're just listening to the music, you're not going to pick up on those things, right? There's nobody telling right. you like, Hey, this is emotionally important or whatever. You know what I mean? Do you, when you write music, do you, are you hearing it in your head beforehand or are you hashing it out uh, with your fingers? Basically. That's a great question. It, that's so changes project to project. Um, yeah, I feel okay. like a lot of the little bookshelf, I, it was, it was kind of like the Genesis would be mental, Right. Or like singing, as you say, like I would definitely think of a melody. But when it came to so a lot of the a lot of the pieces are just long form improvisations mixed. Wow. Really? Okay. mm -hmm. Yeah. So mixed by river is a long form improvisation that we trimmed, cut, you know, made it presentable. Yeah. Um, I think that one originally had like seven minutes worth of music. um, Oh, wow. Five and a half minute track. And the White Queen and Queen Alice were actually all recorded in one take. And we split it into two different pieces. All right. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah, and so in the kind of idea, and it's it's hard to to put this on a, a listing, and I didn't want to be a huge pain in the ass about it for the record label, but the first three are what I consider like the Looking Glass miniatures because yeah. they're all about Alice in Wonderland and through the Looking Glass specifically, which is my my favorite part of the book. Um, that's well, been my favorite story since I was small. Can I just um, say like you completely yeah. like through the dark wood like. Yeah, it's just it's, you captured the the storybook element, the the vibe that you were going for very well in it. I Thank think. you so much. That's yeah. that's a huge compliment. And I yeah, and that one is very much like my love letter to Schumann sure. to Schubert. It's yeah, very much yeah. that kind of almost almost Mendelssohnian, and that it's almost a song without words at, at certain times. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and that was sort of the when I wrote that specifically, I was um, let's see, at this point I was teaching at the California Conservatory. And I would have these breaks between my lessons and I would just, you know, noodle at the piano as you do. And mm-hmm. for some reason, I just couldn't really get this little tune out of my head. I was just like, I would circle and spin on that. And I, I got yeah. worried because there was a vocal teacher next to me. I'm like, oh, God, she must just be so sick of hearing this at this point. But then again, uh-huh. I'm next to a vocal teacher. So, like, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but all this to say, yeah, I was I was just really like I was playing a lot of uh, Mendelssohn and Schumann at the time. So, yeah. This is very much a direct reflection of that. And I wanted to yeah. kind of explore pastiche and not feel ashamed about it. I feel like there's sure. oftentimes in academics, you know, you're really supposed to find your own voice and be your own person. And I feel like I had done that quite well, you know, at that point. And this time I just wanted to explore pastiche without the guilt. I wanted to just see if I could sound yeah. like somebody else for a little while. And I think Dude, it's a great exercise. That's amazing because it is it is funny to think of. And I had this conversation of this sort of split between jazz and classical and academia yeah. where a lot, a lot of, especially in the States, like a lot of um, schools have a very developed classical programs. They have wind, wind orchestra and, and uh, whatever, all these different um, ensembles and, and they, you know, all these different ways of, of becoming a, a purveyor of dead music. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like awesome. you, you, uh, you know, and and look, jazz is the same thing, just a little bit more recent. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like the kind of assumption that I went in, and what a lot of people think of is like jazz. You improvise, you do all these, uh, you're free, and then you know classical, right. you're more constrained. When it, really, it's the opposite because the the example I found in the uh, saxophone studio was the classical saxophone students were doing these etudes where you have all this room to interpret and embellish and blah, 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 you know, Mm. uh, make into a uh, your own thing where in jazz we're doing literally the parallel assignment uh, that was presented in this one class was the jazz students all going out and doing a transcription where they're trying to sound exactly the same as the person right. on the recording tone right. inflection everything right um Absolutely. and so it was this interesting like flip-flop of like okay it, that's the opposite of what i thought you know yeah um, but like and then the, that's a really just point. You, you saying like i wanted to sound like someone else like that's the skill that i've developed the most after leaving school i think is taking a how do I make this sound like Han, a Hans Zimmer track as much as I can yes. you know as much as is in my uh capabilities or you know I want this to sound like Danny Elfman or whatever I want yeah. this to sound like Lana Rain, you know um, right and you it's the the process of going in and 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 trying to mimic something you're dissecting what what the what the actual essence of the music is like it's like it's 
it's this chord progression going at this tempo with this many leaps in the melody or whatever. Um, and all the little technical things, but, um, it's, it's all these little, little kind of less technical things that you discover through just trying to mimic somebody. And that, that, absolutely strengthens your own product yeah i couldn't agree more um one of my favorite classes i ever took in college was um 20th century techniques with uh dr sabi uh dr ben sabi of sf state the assignment that we would do it was a weekly assignment where we would take a composer that we were studying and sound like that composer in our assignment like do exactly what you just described in the classroom setting and i credit that assignment with just how i think of doing certain pieces of music now like through the dark wood um sean also did that with uh, hagrid's throne room so hagrid's throne room yeah. is all sean that is i literally did not touch that that is his track that's his baby oh, okay and uh that's track he five did that on with the album. box chacon and so he took box chacon he transplanted now it's a little bit different because instead of trying to sound like bach he literally took box source material and okay. dolled it up in a different way but i feel like there's equal credit to that as well mm-hmm. um as far as the importance of trying to sound like somebody else or retain that that different artist feeling if you hadn't told me that that was all him doing that specific thing, I, it completely gels with the rest of the album. Like it exactly. doesn't sound like it sticks out or anything, you know? It, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the beauty, I think, of our union in that musical yeah. sense is that we we share a lot of the same brain. Like a lot of our inclinations yeah. are just the same. Um, sure. And where they diverge, that's what makes I. That's what I think the most interesting points are. Um, from from the inside it's super I, I love listening to your perspective on that because I, I yeah. just couldn't agree more you're this all this stuff all the you're you're infusing what'd you say you're infusing uh classical and um electronic I guess is the yeah. sort of like one sentence pitch for the for what you your kind of sound is you're providing this like space for people to feel things you know um oh, and it you. it absolutely could uh could be in in a video game and it should be and you should hire alexa and spaced out (laughs) studio for your uh project if you want good music like this go and listen to it it's very good i want to make sure i'm just scanning my notes here i want to make sure i haven't missed anything um you i missed so much (laughs) i missed like half of it we could have a whole other episode um let's do it i'm here let's just try to quickly cram some stuff in so this game does not exist yes is that started as an academic project? Yeah, that's actually the culminating um, uh, project for my master's degree. Jared Farney from episode seven, uh, he did these, uh, he partnered with this artist, and this is after school and stuff. This is a guy I went to school with. He's a drummer. He is badass. He did something similar where he partnered with this 3D artist. They did these video game concept albums based on like, the guy would make like a world map. Jared would make uh, you know, themes for the different areas of the map. That's so um, awesome. It's similar. Yeah, I love it. And it's similar. He took this hypothetical thing and, and created art around it. And it just to kind of like, yeah. look what I can do if I'm given a, an aesthetic to adhere to or whatever. Uh, and you did the exact same thing. You took hypothetical uh, video games and you wrote entire albums around yes. them so you and this is during your master's degree so you did a triple yes. a action i wrote them down triple a AAA action adventure <laughs> game a mystery mm-hmm. game yeah you didn't just do one like oh here's a here's an album i'm gonna do you did like <laughs> what five albums uh yeah five or six mini yeah. albums i think yeah yeah but you did a triple a action adventure game a mystery <laughs> game an indie farming simulator a tactical shooter 
a what you call a pixelated heartbreaker, which is there you go. There's Celeste, yep. uh, this emotional <laughs> indie game kind of thing, and a space explorer. So you yes. have, and this is all on your website, alexathanos.com. Did did you start with like, oh, I'll do three, and then it ended up being six, or was it like always? Oh, I'm going to do this okay. monumental <laughs> project. Yeah. Actually, so what you're looking at is about 20% of what I wanted to do for this project. Oh, my God. I know. I am nothing if not ambitious um, or maybe a little stupid. One of the two. But <laughs> they, they occupy the same part of your brain, I think. Right. But, uh, it's a, one it's does a blurry line. Than other. Yeah. <laughs> so what I wanted to do, Michael, what I wanted to do is I wanted to develop what I called a pseudo game because I actually yeah. wanted to explore Unity implementation in this project. So what I was going to yeah. do was design awesome. a Unity game where it was all space themed and so each like each quote-unquote level was gonna be it's it's kind of meta but like each level would have been like its own little game with a mini biome and when you clicked on things like i would only have like click triggers right like there was right movement or anything like that like that that's beyond my scope but i had set up my unity with a plugin called fungus which is a very unfortunate name for a very cool product um it's free (laughs) it's phenomenal and it really let me actually get into unity in a way i don't think i would have been able to otherwise um unity and and fungus and fmod actually had a little relationship so i wanted all of that to happen right i wanted it to be nine different types of games um yes nine and i wanted it yeah yeah, mm -hmm. and i wanted each of those to have a couple different tracks and all this but what had happened was um you know i started teaching at my community college gig uh during my first year of my master's program i had to actually Mm -hmm. file for like um uh educational equivalency because technically i wasn't qualified for the position but i was only a thesis project away right right yeah and the idea was that i would finish my thesis project get my master's and skedaddle and and be a working professional but i severely uh underestimated how difficult that was going to be being a first year adjunct and a master's uh you know candidate and a freelance teacher on the side and 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 and. so um all this to say uh it it, it didn't work out exactly the way that i had intended but that's kind of like i think the serendipity is that the product uh is something that i'm I'm very fond of of course i look at it as something that like i would like to improve upon but luckily i can we we can talk about it right our future endeavor with with yeah Cool. I so, hope so. I'll, yeah. If Jeremy yells at me, I'll just edit it out and re- we'll republish. Yeah. <laughs> but this this sparked an idea with Jeremy and myself for an entire series of albums called This Game Does Not Exist. And yeah. um, instead of having it just be my brainchild, we're having an artist collective, of which you mm-hmm. are a part of, and so many other incredible artists are going to be a part of as well. Sean, of yeah. course, included, among others that I haven't gotten to meet yet. And so we're really excited to sort of explore this idea of making music for games that don't necessarily exist. I will say yeah. each of the games that I did make, um, I wrote an entire like story and plot for, at least to you some extent. You absolutely did. And this is all on our website. Like, I'm looking at it right now you've named the games you have a plot but it's like a practical thing you have like menu music you have boss music you have like all the things that you could literally almost take these mu- these tracks and make them non-linear put them in a game tomorrow you know what i mean oh my gosh um, thank you <laughs> no it's great and it's great it's just like i'm i'm astounded i found this i was like oh I didn't know that this was a project before the bad self thing because like that's mm-hmm. where I had known this game is just not exist. It's just been this thing. Oh, that Alexa had blah blah blah. And then I went on your website and I'm like, oh, she wrote six albums <laughs> and like there's this whole game design behind each one of them. It's crazy. Yeah, very, very intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> amount of work that you've done here. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's still surreal, honestly. Like the calling myself an internationally signed artist is it's surreal. Beautiful. And the fact that like you like it, it's such an honor to occupy that space, you know, um with, with Jeremy, with you, with Sean. It's just like I well, it makes me so happy. <laughs> it's that's what I wanted to say. It's just like it's I I again I feel like I just wandered into a room and they were like, Yeah, okay, come on in. You're this one of us, <laughs> you know, because I'm like I'm I again I have one track on uh, what I think the the release dates changed, but the two that are coming out are Happy Place and Dark Future. Yeah. So it'll be Woo. it'll be uh, uh, this game does not exist colon Dark Future and mm-hmm. um, Happy Place. But I did I contributed one. I don't think I contributed to Happy Place, but I did one track for the Dark Future one, and uh, it's just very cool to be able to be alongside all these people well likewise but, i mean yeah. i'm so fortunate uh, you know yeah. i just it, it's just it couldn't have gone better and i that's something i really appreciate about bad self is the what you just mentioned yeah. that sort of community space um, yes feeling like oh, i can talk to everybody like i talk to you is is an absolute fortune it's it's such a lucky thing because i've definitely been in rooms where it doesn't feel that way yes and it sucks. yeah you know yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And uh, like we've all been a part of our share of failed projects and Oh yeah. <laughs> what I've found. And even and honestly learn. like even if it's like you're working on something that doesn't really go anywhere but you're working with people that like care about it but it just doesn't yeah. work out, that's still different. But yeah. like we worked on this project that like went really well and like we're all really proud of and like we yes. s- kind of like kept up with each other and it's just it's just really good. Like, so I guess young people listening to this don't, <laughs> if you find people that you get along with, man, just keep in touch with them, you know? Totally. Um, did you want to talk about, you have the Space Cadet Academy. Did you want to talk oh. about that at all? With, I can uh, say that it's still in development. The date that's on the website is a little vestigial. I probably have to kick it out to later in this okay. upcoming year, but I will yeah. say that I'm very, very excited for what we're we're going to do with it. Ba- kind of based around just learning music in general, or is it like more piano based? Or I think it's actually targeting core musicianship principles in a way okay. that I have been using in my classroom and developing in my classroom that I want to make more accessible, both for the people in inside my classroom, like have, have more references for them to look at more regularly. Yeah. But also, yeah. you know, when you look up this stuff, it, it seems like there's a void out there, like a vacuum. If you look up your training principles and musicianship, it just, it feels a little stale. Sure. And I, I, it's so unfortunate. I think it's really rich. I think it's really exciting. I think it can be a lot more fun than the current, search bar gives credit for sure. so that is that's the goal of space cadet academy is to all ages accessible a little bit of a boot camp but not entirely you know just just something to get those core tenets really down so that's called space cadet academy you could you could we're we're anticipating that you could find all this stuff on spaced out studios dot co not yeah. com co not com. okay all right. Uh, it, was, Space it was a tough Studios. battle out there for the domain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're, also, there's <laughs> links on her uh, website, alexathanos.com. First of all, you have two of the best Twitter names ever. You have, for Spaced Out <laughs> Studios, you have at Spaced Out Studs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is short for studios, but, but you're also studs, so, you know, whatever. Yeah, what can we say? <laughs> Describing <laughs> you as a stud, it just makes me laugh. Hell yeah. Um, the, and then your your personal Twitter is Tiny Thanos. Yes. Um, uh, and then, of course, AlexaThanos.com. Uh, yeah, go and listen to The Little Bookshelf. It's awesome. 
uh, hire Alexa for many projects, all the projects, uh, <laughs> and also Sean Edlin uh, of Spaced Out Studios. So, anything you wanted to plug before we uh, we uh, kind of sign off, stop recording? Oh man, uh, if I could plug any one additional thing, it would for sure be just uh, Bad Self Media, uh, who yes. we've talked about a lot during this podcast. Um, yeah. You can find it at, let me make sure I've got my cool business card here, badselfmusic.com. Um, oh, you, got a, awesome. you got a Hit business card? I didn't get a business card. No, uh, you did sorry. a lot more work for him, though. <laughs> Actually, what's really like funny You, like, set up his Discord. <laughs> I printed the business cards for Bad Self for GDC, so it doesn't have my name on oh, it, nice. I promise. It's, it's just the Bad Self business card. I just happen to have one on my desk, so at Bad Self Media on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, of course, The Little Bookshelf was published by Monochrome Motif Records, which you can find at monochromemotif.com. And then, uh, final thing, I was going to just let you choose. It would be hard for me to choose one that I, I like the most from uh, The Little Bookshelf, but I wanted <gasps> to see maybe, like, the post roll uh we could just play one at the end oh my uh, gosh um i think you know what honestly departure i feel like departure. it's fitting hey perfect style and in in uh context <laughs> that's it that's it departure all right all right that is the episode go and check out the show notes for links to all the things Alexa's website and Twitter, Spaced Out Studios website and Twitter, Bad Self Media, Monochrome Motif Records, and Alexa's upcoming Space Cadet Academy project. All right, that's it. I leave you to bask in the warmth of Departure, a track from the little bookshelf from Spaced Out Studios. I am going to take this steampunk bicycle to episode 14. Farewell! <laughs> You know, if it's powered by steam, then why am I pedaling? It doesn't make any sense.